Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm together with those that are watching us on the television today the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be found in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burdens and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, phobia, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people, and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you in the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. You may now be seated. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The name of the sermon is called, Called to Perfection. And this promised commandment, written in the book of Matthew, is presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arcadi. They are the inheritance of saints of all time, and it is addressed by Christ to his disciples. And therefore those who do not accept over themselves the authority of a person have no, no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. And so we have stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person that is expressed in the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians 3, 14-15 But above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. According to this passage, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition. If the selective love of God will dwell in our hearts and we will be clothed in the selective love of God. And the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues. These are written in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2-8. through 8. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. And we know that each individual virtue of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of all other virtues because they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and are found in one another. These virtues are the moral perfections and standards that are inherent to the essence of God and are given to us through Christ, which we must become enriched with. And we can enter into the inheritance of these virtues only by accepting the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life in the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. 
And by inheriting these great and precious promises, we are made partakers of God's essence. We know that the selected love of God expressed in seven dignities and characteristics has nothing in common with human love that is filled with ignorance, selfishness, and inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the unconditional selective love of God, holy love, differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence, and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. It is with this that the fruit of the selective love of God contained in the format of seven virtues that is called to reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man, having destructed the old man in our bodies. And so before us were presented four classic questions and we have stopped at the last one, the fourth one, that sounds like the following. According to what signs should we test ourselves for the demonstration of brotherly love in our faith? And so we are continuing to talk about brotherly love. According to what signs can we define that we have brotherly love between one another? We have studied three signs. We have remembered. Pastor has presented them to us not long ago, and on Friday we went over the first three, and today we will look at the next sign, the fourth sign. And we will dedicate our whole service to studying this particular fourth one. The fourth sign according to which we can test ourselves for the subject of demonstrating the love of God discovering itself from brotherly love is according to the presence of trust in the Lord for the inheritance of our body. Without trust, trust is a sign of brotherly love. Without trust, we can't demonstrate love toward one another. We need to have the presence of trust in the heart of a Christian. Psalms 37, 8, 3, 11. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who trust in the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So those who trust in the Lord shall inherit the promise of the reign of the resurrection of Christ in their bodies. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Yet a little while, and the old man shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And so, a prayer which lacks trust in God is not accepted by God and does not find favor in His eyes because it does not fulfill the requirements of a prayer of faith. Prayers of David in which he also proclaims his trust in God, presenting his trust in God as an argument and evidence, giving him the right to receive an answer to what he has asked for in prayer. Psalms 141 verses 8-9 through But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, you in you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. On the one hand, the meaning of this phrase is as follows. A prayer that does not have an element of trust in God can direct the eyes of our heart anywhere but God. Because as a rule, we direct the eyes of our heart only toward that reality that we trust in. And on the other hand, 
Trust in God gives God the basis to not leave our soul destitute and to keep our soul from snares and traps that the workers of iniquity have set for us. Oftentimes, discipline or truth contained in the dignity of trust is mixed with either faith or hope, and they are often like meekness and humility called twins, whereas in fact, trust is the fruit that grows from the seed of our hope. So trust comes from hope, or as that is the daughter of hope. Hope is the mother, and the daughter that she gives birth to is trust. Trust in this hope. And therefore, as we have mentioned on numerous occasions, we can trust only in that which we believe and only in that which we hope in. Because trust in something means to rely on something, to lean on something, to look at something, and to build your structure on something. And this something on which we must build our structure needs to be a certain foundation in the subject of an immovable foundation comprised of specific promises of God that define our hope in God. And therefore the phrase trust in God means to rely on God, lean on God, thank God, look upon God, trust in God and hope in God. Build our structure on hope in God. Make the Word of God our support and reinforcement. Make the Word of God our refuge, fortress, and stronghold. Whereas the word hope means patient waiting or longing for the fulfillment of those promises that God has promised to bring us into the perfect measure of the stature of Christ. And so, when it is necessary for our faith to do something out of that which God has promised, then it does it from what is hoped for, that is, from the treasure of hope that we have in our heart. As written, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, or rather, now faith is the fulfillment of hope. We'll take a look here. Faith cannot act without hope. Hope is the revelation of the promise that is laid in our heart through the preached word that we have heard. As soon as this hope is found in the heart, I receive trust. Trust in what? Trust in the specific hope that is found in the word of God. And when I have the specific trust in this word, this word has been placed in my heart. Now my faith can function. And it goes, when the time comes, to accept this promise, I say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word, and this promise then ends up in my heart. And so specifically when we have the basis comprised of the foundation of hope on which we can build our body into the house of God or temple of the Holy Spirit, then we will receive the opportunity and capability to trust in the word of God. With regard to this, I will find it necessary to remind us of already familiar definitions in relation to our trust and the promises of God in relation to the adoption of our body to the redemption of Christ. And for this, Pastor has presented for us and so, the first question, what does Scripture say about the root from which we are called to grow our trust in God and His Word in relation to our imperishable inheritance according to which we can judge ourselves for the presence of brotherly love? So, from where does trust grow? Show me the root, the foundation. 
give a basis for it and we will provide places of scripture and in the end when we give a basis we will provide these places of scripture we will try to create a general summary from where and on which on, on what trust is based on let us look at them and then we will combine them in one summary and so the first the root of trust in God and His Word grows from the depths of the Godhead itself and therefore comes from God. Psalm 62, 7 And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my trust is in God. If we are not found in Christ, in whom God could be our salvation, our glory, the strength of our powers and our trust, we will not have the opportunity to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. And so, the sign of demonstrating in our faith the power of brotherly love should be tested by that church in which we are found, how much it meets the requirements of a good wife that has the dignity of narrow gates. Proverbs 18.22 He who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. So take a look here. Where is trust found in? Trust is found in God, but to find God with His trust, it is possible only in the church that has the dignity of a narrow gate. Outside of this church, outside of this body, we will not be met with God who for us is going to be our trust. Second, trust in God and His Word occurs, comes from, and is founded on the resurrection of Christ and His glory which God has given Him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Who through Him believed in God, who raised Him from the dead, and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Faith and trust in God and His Word, comprised of the resurrection of Christ in our body, discovers itself in spiritual thoughts that are the seal of God on our foreheads and lead us into the category of the Bride of the Lamb. Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 11, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so, if the resurrection of Christ and the subject of spiritual thoughts is not the state of our heart and our renewed thinking, we will not have any opportunity to demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love. So, dwelling in the resurrection of Christ is to have spiritual thoughts. This is how we can define. Please check yourselves. I will check myself. Do I dwell in the resurrection of Christ? What am I thinking about? If I have carnal, uh, if I have fleshly thoughts or if I have spiritual thoughts, God is based on how we think because our thinking is the seal, either the seal of the beast, mark of the beast, or the seal of God. What we think about, what our thoughts are filled with. Resurrection or destruction, fear, and other things. This must not be. Thirdly, we today are talking about trust. 
our whole service will be dedicated to one word, trust. Third, trust in God and His word comes from the promises given to us that are contained in hope in God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man who hopes in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. From these words, it clearly follows that a person can be blessed from the Lord only when his trust in God is founded on his hope in God. If our heart is not a garden in which we are grown, in which are grown the sworn promises of God out of the seed of justification into the fruit of righteousness through which the grace of God reigns in our hearts, we will not have any opportunity to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. Take a look at where God dwells. God dwells, the God of trust dwells in the heart that has the Garden of Eden and where the fruit of righteousness is grown. Fourth, we are defining again trust and are looking for where trust has its roots, its foundation, the basis. Where is it? Fourth, trust in God and His Word discovers itself in the judgments of God that are called to cleanse us from all sin and protect us from enemies. Psalms 119, verse 42. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have trust in your judgments. Based on this place of scripture, and it is not the only one, the ability to cleanse ourselves from all sin and protect ourselves from all sin is contained in our meek lips in the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ. John 8, 31-32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not having in our heart the fullness of truth contained in the blood of the cross of Christ, we will not have the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. So, we must have truth in our heart, not just turn to the blood of the cross of Christ, but in order to trust in Jesus, it is necessary to turn to the blood of Christ and know what is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ, what truth is contained. We, uh, a lot of us came from Pentecostal churches. In Pentecostal churches, we were protected. The blood of Christ, blood of Christ, blood of Christ, This, these two words. When you are afraid or when the demons come or when you're very scared, repeat the, the words, blood of Christ, blood of Christ, blood of Christ. Uh, simply repeat these words, but... The demons tremble when they say in the name of the blood of the covenant and you know what is found in the blood of the covenant who God is for you what God has done for you who you are for God and what you must do on your end to inherit all that God has given you in this one word Jesus never repeated words he said one word and it worked why? because Pastor Kadi had interestingly showed us that we need to know our inheritance and we need to have trust when a person says one word and it works why? why does it work? because he knows the teaching from which this trust flows into the heart fifth, trust in God and his word comes from information contained in the laws, prophets and psalms psalms 135 I wait for the Lord, my soul waits and in His Word, I do trust. From this verse, it follows that, that what we hope in or what we lay our hope in is our trust. Not having hope in God and His sworn promises that discovers itself in the patience of Christ, capable of waiting for the time for the fulfillment of the promises, we will not have the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. 
And so that which we hope in is our trust. That which we trust is our God. I rely on my bank account. I have hope in there. I have a currency and I trust in it. The bank in my dollar becomes my dollar. Oh, oh, I rely or I trust on my parents, my relative, my son. I trust on them. My hope is in them that they are going to help me, my son, my relatives, my friends. They become our deities and we begin to worship them. Scripture says that our hope is in the Lord. And therefore, we trust before God, and this becomes His source of worship. Six, trust in God and His Word occurs when we, with the eyes of our faith's heart, or the heart's faith, look upon the Lord. Psalms 141.8, But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord, and you I trust. Do not leave my soul destitute. From this verse it follows that that which we look upon and on which we focus, our eyes are focused, is our trust. Without having opened eyes capable of looking upon the glory of the sworn promises of God, we will not have the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. And here it's very important to note and to state that, that what do we focus our attention most on? And what is enters our eye that that whole information that is found in these eyes it goes into our mind and from our mind to our heart it focuses it focuses any element that we look on it photographs it very quickly this is very important if we could uncover that small code which we looked at in life and if we were shown it many would be horrified from this many would be horrified by this that's why we are going to focus our attention on the Word of God, on the Word of God. Our ears are going to listen to the Word of God and not the prognosis of other people. I give a prognosis for 2023. You know what? That prognosis that I had 2021 wasn't fulfilled, but the economists I have listened to, I already know the prognosis for 2022 or 2023. They say, no, right now, please believe me, it's going to, it's going to be true. And you know, I look at these people paradoxes, they don't understand what is happening and no one can tell them what is going to be tomorrow because behind all of this stands God. And in order to know what God says, we need to turn to the preached word because in here he has said all that he has prepared for the church. A pastor at home when he had once lived in another country, uh, his children had said that the KGB came when he was at home. They said, where is that information or that radio station? Uh, how does he know millions of dollars? We have special forces to find out information. How does he know that Europe is going to be alienated, that America is going to destroy relations with Israel? Uh, and how does he know there is going to be one currency in Europe? How does he know we are spending millions of dollars? And they said, I spoke with the children, the children to understand what this is. Here's, here's an antenna with Europe in Papa's office. And this is the word, it was the Bible that was in there that said Bible on it. Seventh, trust in God and His word grows from the fear of the Lord that dwells in our heart and the dignity of mercy that comes from above. Psalms 56.3, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. The fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of the wisdom of God or the revelation of God that has come from God. It is this kind of fear that gives birth to trust in God. Given that trust in God and simultaneous trust in our capabilities are incompatible, uh, Psalms 44, 6, For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. Without having in ourselves the fear of the Lord that discovers itself in our heart in the wisdom of God and the dignity of the Mimunarim, we will not have the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. So take a look, saints. Without the fear of the Lord, we will not be able to trust in the Lord. And we have already looked at this many components, seven of them. Now, we will try to take that which we have heard and to unite them. They are found in a sequence. Let us try to unite them in one summary. I, I will read it to you. Trust growing from the depths of the Godhead which is founded on the resurrection of Christ and on His glory in the promises given to us, grows from the fear of the Lord that dwells in our hearts, that comes from information that is contained in the law of the laws, prophets, and psalms, and discovers itself in the judgments of God that are called to cleanse us from all sin and protect us from the enemies when we, with the eyes of the faith of our heart, look upon the Lord. So in this paragraph, we had combined all of these seven components, and this was the first question. The second question, I will remind you that today we are talking about trust. Its second question sounds like this, what role and what purpose does Scripture allocate trust in the Word of God in relation to our body? The signs according to which we are called to test ourselves for the subject of showing the love of God and brotherly love. And so what role or what purpose? First one, the purpose of trust in God and His Word is called to give a person the right to call God their God. Psalms 31, 14, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord, I say, you are my God. Without having the right to call God our God, we will not have the right to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. To call God our God, as Pastor had said, there was once a book, I dare to call him Father. This was a woman from Islam who had said this, because in Islam it's impossible to call God or Allah Father. He doesn't want to be Father. He wants to be Allah, who, uh, whom others worship him. Our God wants to be our Father. You will say, how wonderful it is, how wonderful it is. When he says, I want to be a Father, this means that I want those qualities that I have for my children to have them as well. Sometimes a people says... Well, I should probably stay in Islam because Allah does not ask me to be holy as he is. But the God Yahweh says, you must be holy as I am. And then you have the right to call me son. Everything begins from the blood of Jesus Christ, which we receive as a gift of grace. And then we begin to grow that which we have received as a gift of grace in the format of the deposit from a seed into fruit. And in this fruit, we begin to reveal the characteristics of God. Second, the purpose of trust in God and His Word is called to give us the right to power to draw near to God that we may declare His works. Psalm 73:28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. As you can see, according to these words, only that person that trusts in God can draw near to the Lord in order to declare His works. 
Without having the right to declare the works of God, we will not have any right to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. And where do we declare His works? Uh, if I don't declare the works of God, I have no right to draw near to God. And then, having revealed that holiness, that must be revealed in us, not just saints according to the fact of our birth, but also according to our works. Third, trust in God, or the purpose of trust in God and His Word, is called to give us a guarantee that God will hear us when we pray. Psalms 38, 15. For in you, O Lord, I trust. You will hear, O Lord, my God. Trust in God and His Word discovers itself in boldness, which is necessary for us to have as warriors of prayer in order to fulfill our intercession in relation to the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. Without the presence of trust in God and His Word, which discovers itself in boldness, we will not have any power to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. And this is boldness, or rather confidence, boldness, boldness that God is able to hear us. And God hears us when we ask according to His will. When we ask outside of His will with boldness, usually in Christian churches it's accepted that you pray in tongues and you yell. You yell out to God and this is going to be boldness before God and He is going to answer you. No, God doesn't hear cries and shouts. He sees boldness and boldness it does not express itself just in shouts and cries. It might express itself in a specific, in a specifically strongly stated word, but boldness is that information that coincides to the will of God. I know that that which I ask, it coincides to His will. Why? Because we have placed it into the will of God. And when this promise, for example, about healing, is presented as the will of God, then we have boldness to come. Why boldness? Because boldness, and not because I need this and I need to receive it, but boldness because I know that God is interested in giving me healing. How is He interested? He has placed this healing on my account, and when He places it, He places it in a large uh, promise, in an imperishable promise the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies. Now, if we, this imperishable promise, because uh, healing is, is uh, uh, today we prayed, right? Uh, today we received healing, and then a month, right? We, we are not, people say, well, the church really tried so hard, they prayed. Why, well, he received healing. But then, friends, this healing must be placed in the main healing any kind of petition to be delivered from poverty, to be delivered from poverty, we need to place this poverty, this promise, freedom from poverty, to place into another one, into the imperishable one. And when it is going to be presented from the position of this imperishable promise, freedom from uh, from sin, from, from premature death, God can fulfill it for us when we ask of it in boldness. But when we rip it apart from the main promise about the perishable, the, the imperishable promise, we have no boldness, we have rather audacity. Why? Because we ask not what He wants, but what we want. And I offer it, offer God to do this. And Jesus said, not what I want, but you want. Abba, Father. Fourth, the purpose of trust in God and His Word is called to produce joy and gladness in God, as well as give God the basis to defend those who trust in Him. 
Psalms 5.11 But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. From these words it follows that God truly defends only those who trust in Him. And this trust produces unearthly joy and gladness. If a person cannot praise God amid all earthly losses and gains, he will not have any power to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in his faith. So, the Lord is our shadow. Either in losses or in gains, we are found under His shadow, the shadow of His wings. Next, the purpose of trust in God and His Word, fifth, is called to be and serve as honor to God, giving Him the basis to protect us from His all-consuming anger. So trust in God protects from the holy anger of God. Psalms 2.12 Honor the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. From these prophetic words, it follows that the lack of trust in God is the lack of honor to God, from which we can conclude that those saints that refuse to honor God with tithes and offerings are the vessels of anger, whereas saints who honor God with tithes and offerings, on the contrary, are the vessels of blessing. From this it follows that if we refuse to honor God with tithes and offerings, then this means that we refuse to trust in God and His Word. And in this manner, we lose every opportunity to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith, which would lead us from the state of death to the state of eternal life. I will remind you that we are talking about trust. Why are we talking about trust? Because we are talking about brotherly love. How can we define according to what signs that we have brotherly love that brings us from the state of death to the state of life? Only through the presence of trust in our heart. And right now, we are defining uh, the purpose. What is the purpose of this trust that is found in our heart? Sixth, the purpose of trust in God and His Word is called to free us from fear of our own flesh as well as all flesh. Psalms 56, 4. I will praise His Word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? From these words, it follows that a person who trusts in God does not fear flesh and all that comes from the flesh, given that through his trust in God, he is placed in the depths of God where he, place, where he praises the word of God. A person that is found in dependence on his flesh or in dependence on the controlling spirit of another flesh loses all opportunity to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith, which is called to lead us from the state of death to the state of life. That's why, saints, we must not be afraid of all flesh, neither, uh, not our flesh nor any other flesh. And under flesh, we're talking about those who have clothed themselves in cedar, but those who have a controlling spirit. We must not be afraid of any kind of controlling spirit. We need to have wisdom how to act with this kind of person who has a controlling spirit. But he shouldn't be feared. Seventh, the purpose of trust in God and His Word is called to serve as the absolute independence 
from the fear of all men. Psalms 56, 11. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? He who trusts in God does not fear men. Because fear before people testifies of the lack of trust in God. In other words, we rely on that which we fear, who we boast of, and also he before whom we walk, or those that we depend on, as Apostle Paul had done, because he needed to demonstrate brotherly love that demonstrated itself in trust in God. This means to not be afraid of any kind of man. He did not, he was not afraid of his flesh. He was not afraid of this controlling spirit in the church that controlled him, saying that you are ignorant in the word. Give it to someone else. Who placed you, God or someone else? He was not based on this. He was never afraid of men. He said, 1 Corinthians 4, 3, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I did not even judge myself. So he did not allow the flesh to appraise itself. He says, oh, I've, I made a mistake. Oh, I could have preached. I could have done this even better. Sometimes I specifically make specific mistakes, errors. I specifically make errors. I, can, I make errors in order to tell my flesh sit in its place, sit in your place and do not scare me, you've made a mistake, who cares? We have saints I am not afraid of making mistakes, not according to the teaching, but if I if I called Moses David or if I missed a paragraph or missed a sentence or something they are completely different personas, but sometimes when I speak I Sometimes if I am reading, I am already thinking ahead to what's going to be next if I'm talking about Moses and maybe the next example is going to be about David and, and I may confuse these names. Therefore, a person that is focused on the opinion of his surroundings trusts not in God, but on the opinion of his surroundings, which deprives him of every opportunity to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in his faith, which is intended to lead him from death to life in eighth. The purpose of trust in God and His Word is called to uncover the potential of God and the faithfulness of God. Psalms 31.19 If in our heart are hidden, oh how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Psalms 31.19 If in our heart are hidden the promises of God that pursue the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. This points to the sign that we are able to demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love. And now, let us take these eight signs, take them and combine them in one summary. What were we able to understand from this? I am asked. Well, you read a lot. Please tell me in one summary the purpose of the trust in God. And we will provide a definition. Trust gives us the power to the right to draw near to the Lord, calling God our God. And it gives us a guarantee that God is going to hear us when we pray and is going to produce joy and gladness in God and will protect us from all, from the anger of God, from the whole anger of God, and will deliver us from fear, fear from ourselves and all flesh, and will uncover the potential of God and faithfulness of God. Let's take a look at the long, uh, the filled topic that we are talking. Trust 
or the promise that is presented not in the format of the teaching is not trust. Trust can always be based on the Word of God. It has its roots deep and it has a strong foundation. And so let us turn to the third question that sounds like the following. What conditions are necessary to fulfill to grow in the good soil of our heart, trust in God and His Word in relation to the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ in order to demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love? The first component, to be clothed in trust in God and His Word is necessary to accept over ourselves the delegated teacher in order to learn, more specifically to be His student. Proverbs 22:19. So that your trust may be in the Lord, I have instructed you, instructed you today, even you. If we do not acknowledge over ourselves the authority of the word of a person appointed over us by God in the face of His messenger, we will never have true trust in God and His word, and therefore, we will never have the opportunity to demonstrate in our faith the true power of brotherly love that brings us from death to life. So it's necessary to have the delegated teacher. Second, to be clothed in trust in God and His word, it is necessary to eat from the bosom of our mother. Psalms 22.10 I was cast upon you from birth. You have placed trust in me at the bosom of my mother. Eating from the bosom of our mother is referring to our organized partaking to the church in the dignity of a good wife, which we must find in order to give God the basis to place in us trust in the bosom of our mother. So take a look here. That trust is placed in the bosom of our mother. And take a look at how a child acts towards that food that he accepts at the bosom of his mother. What kind of relationship we must have towards that word, the preached word that we hear. Under the image of a good wife, Scripture is referring to Jerusalem on high, who is the mother to us all. And so this trust in God and His word we can gain only when we are freed from under the watch of the law. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. Symbolic For these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in the bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. For these words, the Jews hated Christ because he said that today's Jerusalem, the Jews that had filled Jerusalem that did not accept Christ, are those that were born from Hagar. Paul was killed several times. He was stoned when they had heard that he had related uh, the Jews to the sons of Hagar. And the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the free bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. And so we are children 
are of the children of the free woman. He said to the Galatians, the Gentiles, that we are sons of the free woman. We are in Isaac, in Jesus Christ. From these conditions, it follows that while we are found under the watch of the law, we cannot enter into the freedom of Christ in which we could demonstrate the power of brotherly love. Therefore, when a person is found under the watch of the law, under the law of Moses, he is found in the law of condemnation. And he says that the Jerusalem today with its priests and with all the Jews, and they are an image of these that are born of Hagar. Why? Because they are found in the ministry of condemnation. We believers might also be found in the ministry of condemnation. If we do not, with the law, die to the law, we are found under condemnation, under the ministry of condemnation, until while the law continues to condemn us. And the law is not called to condemn us. The law is called to become holiness in us. And how does this occur? We are called to direct this law in the enemy that is within us, the enemy that is found in us in the face of the old man. Birth from above is unique. One of the main components of birth from above is that in a person, there are two substances that are uncovered, the new substance and the old substance, the old man. And now, what do we have the right to do? The anger of God, we must direct, uh, we redirect the law needs to be satisfied within us. And I say, Lord, direct your anger, your anger and your law, your holy law given through King Moses. Direct it towards the old man that is found in me. The old man yells, what are you doing? Why are you directing it? Let it be directed upon you and upon your soul and upon your spirit. And I say, no, let it be directed upon you. I have seen a criminal in you that is found. And I ask that the law of God be satisfied. And I... I placed a verdict for my old man to die and scripture says do you know how this we kill him along with you and the soul and the old man together in this are going to be immersed but the difference is that only the one who belongs to Christ will rise the old man has no relation with Christ therefore I call the judgments of God upon myself and the death of the Lord Jesus I immerse in them and I arise in resurrection and the old man uh, still remains in this death in hell third we have got have we gone over the third or not let us take a look Okay, third, to be clothed in trust in God in His Word, it is necessary to allow Christ to dwell in our heart. Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. The ministry which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. From these words of the Apostle, it follows that those that trust in God are those that have allowed Christ to dwell in their heart, because they, in the death of the Lord Jesus with the law, died to the law in order to live for God. And thus they were crucified with Christ, which gave the Holy Spirit the basis to enter their hearts as Lord and ruler of their lives, and to represent in their hearts the life of Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19-20 For I, through the law, died to the law. For with the law of Moses, the holy, I die or I kill the death that is in me. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And this means that those that trust in God are those that are led by the Holy Spirit and represent the interests of Christ on earth, in heaven, in hell, 
and on whom will fall the reproach of those that reproach God. From these conditions it follows that until we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, with the law, die to the law, we cannot trust in God and be led by the Holy Spirit, in whom we could demonstrate the power of brotherly love. And so, with the law, with the holy law, we destroy the power of death in ourselves. And this is a very uh, difficult process. And when the law does this, and he condemns the power of death in the face of the old man in us, we don't run away from it, we don't hide with our good works, hide ourselves with good works. We call upon this holiness. When it does its work, it is satisfied. When this holy law is satisfied, he becomes my friend, and now he represents the holiness of God in me. Now, with this kind of person, it's very dangerous to not be friends with this person. It's very uh, even any kind of bitter thought against this person will result in death. Why? Because he, with the law, died to the law. He did not hide from the law. He called upon the holy law, and he had judged the power of death in the face of the old man, and he had risen with Christ. Fourth, to be clothed in trust in God and his word, it is necessary to allow God to place us in his depths. Psalms 91, verses 1 through 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. From these words that are known to the Christian world, it follows that those that trust in God are those that have allowed God to place them in Christ so that they could dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And this means that one of the conditions of being clothed in trust in God will be our decision and ability to give God the basis to present our interests in earth, in heaven, and in hell, which will give us the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. So here is what trust does. Trust places us in the protection, in the shadow of God. When we are found in the shadow of God, then God protects us and presents us. But when we become, when we stand in the clefts of the rock, we represent the interests of God. Do you remember how Pastor said not long ago about the dove that was found under the shadow and in the clefts of the rock? To be found under the shadow, he said, he, he says, I will protect you. But can you stand in the clefts of the rock, in the gap, to build a wall and to, to stand up for the sons of the people? Represent my interest so that the, the reproach that falls upon me can fall upon you. So, to be found in the cleft in the death of Christ is when we carry reproach for Christ, meaning Christ is in us. The shadow is there where Christ covers us and protects us. Fourth, in order to, or fifth, to be clothed in trust in God and in His Word is necessary to give God the basis to renew His mercy for us every morning. And this is fifth, to be clothed in trust in God and His Word is necessary to give God the basis to renew His mercy for us every morning. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have trust. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
From this prayer of the prophet Jeremiah, it follows that the renewal of God's mercy to us is tied to the proclamation of the faith of our heart in the promise that has erected in our body the power of incorruption in the dignity of the resurrection of Christ. Morning is an image of resurrection, whereas night is an image of death. Each morning occurs after each night and as a result of the fact that we dwelled in the night. Each promise for the salvation of our soul and body we receive in the seed. If the seed does not die in order to bring the fruit of salvation, it will not become our property. From this it follows that in order for the resurrection of Christ given to us in the format of a seed to become our property, it must be sown in the death of the Lord Jesus in order to receive it in the form of the fruit of resurrection, as written, foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies, and what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so trust gives us, trust gives us the opportunity to accept this hope that we are able to be clothed in our spiritual body in order for this to occur. It's necessary for the power of death in our physical bodies that is going to be that material out of which God is going to make our spiritual body as we hear numerous occasions that from this ash, from these parts, from these elements, God is going to create his body and scientists uh, they penetrate very far into this and they say you know if we uh, go deep into the spiral into the DNA and we go further further there are interesting codes if these codes if we uh, see the words it's the words Yahweh these are what atheists say and each person is the word Yahweh and then this word Yahweh is the code decay and we need to remove this code of decay this curse how we need to with a noise to cast out through faith the one who is the carrier of this code or rather the old man with his dead works six to be clothed and trust in God and his word it is necessary to have the dignity of a servant of the Lord Psalms 34.22 The Lord redeems the soul of His servants and none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. Based on this revelation, it follows that the promise of deliverance of our soul from perdition through trust in God is given only to those saints who have the dignity of a servant of the Lord. To be a servant of the Lord means to be dependent on the Word of God kept in our heart. Just as God is a servant of of his word and depends on his word being vigilant in the temple of our body over his word 
so that it could be fulfilled in the time established by Him. And so a person who does not have the dignity of a servant of the Lord cannot have trust in God and His Word. And this means that one of the conditions for being clothed in trust in God will be our decision to present the members of our body as servants of righteousness, which will give us the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love. So as we had given our mem members as members of righteousness, now uh, we give our members as members of righteousness. Seventh, to trust in God and His word, it is necessary not to cast any doubt on any word of God. Let us listen very carefully because this is important for each of us. Proverbs 35. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. If we cast doubt on the word of God in the lips of the messengers of God, whom God made our lips, we cannot have trust in God and His word. And this means that one of the conditions for being clothed in trust in God will be our decision and ability to not cast doubt on the word of God in the lips of the messenger of God, which will give us the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith, as written, for all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And so, now we will take all of these seven components and we will try to unite them in one paragraph. And so, to answer the question, what price do we need to pay and what must we do in order to be clothed in trust in God? And this is our answer. In order to be clothed in trust in God and His Word, it is necessary for us to be clothed in the dignity of a servant of the Lord that acknowledges over himself the delegated teacher and does not cast any word of God, uh, cast any doubt, which will allow Christ to dwell in our hearts and gives God the basis to renew His mercy for us every morning? And this was the third question. The fourth question, I will remind you that we today are talking about trust. What trust is, why we're talking about trust. Why we're talking about trust? Because we need to uh, study the signs according to which we can define the presence of brotherly love between us. And this sign is through the presence of trust in our heart. And so the first question sounds like the following. According to which signs should we test ourselves for the subject of trust in the Word of God in relation to our body, the signs according to which we are called to test ourselves for the subject of the demonstration of the love of God and brotherly love? Based on Scripture, trust in God will be rewarded with a great reward. As written, therefore do not cast away your trust which has great reward. So, our trust, it uh, there's a great reward that waits for it. However, to give a definition to this great reward, I will mention several signs that contain the essence of this great reward, which could be inherited only by those saints that keep their trust in God until the end. The first sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His Word will express itself in the fact that God will forever make us His home, which will be a sign that we demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. What a wonderful reward that we have. Pastor is going to reveal to us these great rewards. Trust, a person that has not left his trust, this trust uh, is followed by a great reward. The first reward is that 
God says, I will forever make his home, make, um, make you make my home in him Hebrews 3 6 but Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end from this revelation follows a regularity that only a person who trusts in God and keeps his trust until the end can be affirmed as a house of God 2nd Samuel chapter 5 verses 11 through 12 then Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons. And they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This means that the sign that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith will be the reign of the Holy Spirit in the temple of our body. And of course, today the Lord reveals these signs. This reward is already revealing itself. He has already given us cedar trees in the format of that truth and those teachings that we hear. He has already sent His messengers to us. Because just as this would, uh, the king of Tyre had sent with these cedar trees, He sent His messengers, His messengers, which for us represent the fatherhood of God. He had endowed them with these revelations regarding this righteousness, regarding these cedar trees that are called to be affirmed in our bodies. And then... Uh, uh, we were also given carpenters and masons the ability uh, for us how we through the proclamation of our lips can affirm all these promises in us this means that we begin to see our reward now the second sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His Word will express itself in keeping our soul from following by the sword, which will give us the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. Jeremiah 39 18 for I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. Today the sword are the words of gossip and all kinds of slander aimed at undermining the moral image and authority of people who fear God. Trust in God and His word upon the presence of gossip directed in the address of those that fear God. Give God the basis to keep our soul from words of gossip and slander. And this means that the sign that we are demonstrating in our faith, the power of brotherly love, will be the ability to not depend on and to be protected in our spirit from the gossip and slander of wicked and lawless people. So how does the Lord protect me from the sword? He makes me capable of not being dependent on that word of gossip that is directed at me. He allows me to rise above it. The third sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His word will express itself in the joy of our heart about salvation given by God, which will be a sign that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. Psalms 13 verses 5 through 6 But I have trusted in your mercy My heart shall rejoice in your salvation I will sing to the Lord Because He has dealt bountifully with me Here we have trust in the Lord Trust in the mercy of God Is verified by the ability of our heart To rejoice in a kind of format of salvation That is the fruit of our harvest Which we sowed in the format of the seed Of the salvation given to us as written those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him.
From this it follows that the sign that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love and our faith will be our ability to bring the fruit of unblemished joy before God. Of course, as we have heard, in order to receive this fruit of unblemished joy, we needed to sow something with tears. Of course, we need to do this. Unblemished joy is always preceded by tears, not tears of self-pity. There are different kinds of tears. When we suffer for the truth and tears uh, when we have sinned, these are good tears. These are wonderful tears, but not tears of self-pity. God likes only one kind of tears when a person cries when he has done, when he has sinned. He likes it when a person stands up for the truth and he endures it. He likes these kind of tears. But when a person self-pities himself, that someone behaved incorrectly toward him, God despises these kind of tears. Therefore, in order for us to not have these kind of tears, we need to wait for this reward, unblemished joy. And it occurs only when there are correct tears. The fourth sign of the reward for keeping our trust in God and His Word will express itself in the inheritance of the promised land, which will serve as a sign that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. Psalms 37.9 For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. A person who does not have trust in God is a person that practices evil, and these people will self-destroy or the Lord will destroy them we saw how in our service people they self-destroyed themselves people they excommunicate themselves as a paradox people they themselves are self-destroyed whereas a person who trusts in God and his word will inherit the earth under which we are referring to our immortal body which we will receive in the seed of the promise that related to the door of our hope and grow it into the fruit of righteousness. person who has accepted the seed of truth in the soil of his heart about the inheritance of his body and growing the seed into the fruit of righteousness has trust in God and His Word. Thus, evidence that we are demonstrating in our faith the power of brotherly love will be our ability to inherit to the earth in the subject of our immortal bodies. The fifth sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His Word will be the full number of years, which will be a sign that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. Psalms 54.24 Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you, Lord. From these words it follows that a person who trusted God will never go the way of all the earth having fulfilled only half their days. With this we are not referring to the literal number of years but the fullness of the imperishable inheritance in Christ Jesus accepted by us, which is hidden in our heart in the promises of God, grown by us from the seed of justification into the seed of righteousness. As written, Proverbs 4.18, But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Take a look. Sometimes we say, Why has a person died so young? at half their days as a person died you think that this person who died at half their days he is better than the one that died at, at 104 
with the sins that he had uh, that he had hidden, you think that he is worse than him? Well, why did he die so young? Our age is defined by the following factor: the presence of the promise in our heart. And when we accept the fullness of salvation in the promise and we proclaim it as ours, we call the inexistent as existent, God imputes to us the fullness of days, of years. Therefore, if a person has died at 120 years and had no promise, Scripture says that he was not even uh, than someone who uh, was miscarried in the womb is better than him, but he who dies at 4, 50, 60, 70, but had received the promise had proclaimed the promise and thanked God for this kind of promise. Scripture says that he had received this fullness by faith and he had lived out, not the literal, but the spiritual number of years, which for God, of course, is literal. This is um, he who had dwelled many years. The sixth sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His Word will express itself in the ability to hear the mercy of God early in the morning, which will be evidence that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. Psalms 143, 8 Cause me to hear your loving kindness or your mercy in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift my soul up to you. According to Scripture, the renewal of the mercy of God is tied to the early morning because the beginning of a new day represents the image of the resurrection of Christ in our body. And this renewal of mercy can serve, uh, this renewal of mercy every morning can serve as a reward for only those that trust in God and constantly find the path on which he could lift up his soul to God. And this path on which we could lift up our soul is the building of ourselves into the altar of the Lord, representing in our hearts the perfect goals of God that fulfill the perfect will of God, in which God could receive the basis to take our soul out of the death of the Lord Jesus in His resurrection. Thus, the sign that we are demonstrating, the power of brotherly love in our faith, will be our ability to lift up our soul to God on the altar built by us that will fulfill the requirements of the perfect will of God. And the seventh sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His Word will express itself in our heart in faithfulness to the promises of God, which will be a result that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let's take a look here. A hope, if we have, it must be without wavering. The confession of our hope without wavering in this promise that we have received. For what? For he is faithful who was promised. Trust in God is defined as and founded on the information of the teaching proclaimed by us or the studying of the truth that we have acknowledged, which is contained in all the promises of God. If we, through the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God, have kept our trust in God and His Word, this will be a sign that we have demonstrated the love of God, which we show in our faith, in the power of brotherly love, which leads us from death to life. 
So take a look here. It is impossible to do this without proclamations. And when a person proclaims something, this proclamation is placed on scales. He says, you are placed on the scales and you are fined very, fined very light. When we are quiet, he chews along with us. As soon as we begin to speak, he then places scales and then weighs us on these, scale, on these scales. You are found, you are weighed on these scales and have been found very light. When has he has done this? When Belshazzar had taken the vessels from the house of God, and when he began to use them in service, he began to proclaim, he began to take those truths that were found in the temple, uh, that were found in the temple of intellect of Dagon, and he took them and he placed these truths, he liked them, they were beautifully written. One can use this for their own benefit, and he places these truths in the temple of Dagon, then he says, bring me these vessels, and he begins to pray from this position, not from his heart, because in order to accept, pray from the heart, it's necessary for these vessels to be placed into the temple of God, or the position of the temple of God to pray. But he prayed from the position of uh, of another, and he began to pray from the position, not of the heart, from the position of his mind. And what was the result of this? God says, you know, you began to proclaim but you have been found very light. Why? Because all of these truths that we proclaim outside of the heart, but we proclaim from our intellect. Why? Because we uh, lead our intellect through the temple of Dagon, and we are going to be found very light. And now all of these truths, let us combine them in one. What is the sign of the reward for keeping trust? And so the sign of the reward for keeping trust in God and His Word is going to express itself in the ability to hear the mercy of God in the morning regarding the full salvation given by God and about faithfulness of all the promises of God that are expressed in the keeping of our soul from falling by the sword in the full number of days in the inheritance of the promised land when God will forever make us His home. So this is approximately uh, the summary that we can comprise of those truths that we have heard. Of course, we need to look into them and we need to ponder upon them. And we thank God for this word. Therefore, we are going to pray right now. We, were, we will bend our knees and bow our heads and we will pray. And may the Lord bless us in our prayers. And may He give us in this prayer the opportunity or the ability to break all the chains of um, illnesses. He who is bound by something. He, Lord will deliver as well as all those saints that today would like to renew their relationship with God not just repent in their sin so, but to affirm their calling in God to affirm their trust in God they also can come up uh, out on this altar and we will pray along with you Amen let us pray we wait for you upon this place upon the altar of the Lord
I will pray with your prayers and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given us the word of his redemption. Scripture says that the righteous may fall seven times but will get up. And right now, he has stood between us and our enemies in order to protect us from our sins, to make us freed, to deliver us from the dependence on our lusts. Eyes closed. This is an element of the mystery room. Your hands raised to the heavens. This is a sign that we have faith in God and our hands are without doubt and anger. Please pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my open heart. You see my wound that was caused by sin and lust, which I despise. I come to you with illness, with fears, with uh, with dishonor, and with, I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal me, restore me, and protect me by the blood of your Son. I believe in your word that heals, that frees from sin. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your transgressions in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and may he come upon you. May he look upon you with his holy countenance. May he have mercy upon you and give you peace. May among you fall thousands and tens of thousands around you, but not draw near you. May upon you fall all the blessings in the ancient hills and everlasting mountains. May with a noise out of your body be cast out the power of death, and may in its place be restored the power of resurrection. May all these blessings come upon you and upon your descendants. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. We are grateful to God that His Word and the Holy Spirit continue to labor and work in the Church of God. And we are going to thank God that He will show us the same mercy in the following services. And I have the great privilege to be found in this place along with you and to be a partaker of one promise. Each time I pray about the promise, I do not pray how to accept it for myself. Lord, allow me to be a part of your chosen remnant and allow me to share in this great fate and this great reward along with your nation, your people. So there are things, there are promises, especially that promise that we have heard about today that is impossible to take it outside of the body, outside of the Church of Christ. It's impossible. Let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.